Today on Church and State, Civil Disobedience with Arthur and Nathaniel Pulaski. Hello, Christian Patriots, and welcome to Church and State, where we strive to plug into the pew and plug into politics. I'm your host, Caleb Collier. With me, as always, Pastor Gabe Blomgren, once again, your favorite far-right shock jocks and the most schizophrenic show you listen to on a daily basis. The only podcast brave enough to cover faith and politics, put them in the same room with Jesus smack dab in the middle. Amen to that. Hey, I'm really excited for this show. Real quick, before we get to our special guests, uh, remember to go to churchandstate.media churchandstate.media for all of your fantastic news content. Uh, You're going to want to download this show for sure. You're going to want to share it everywhere. Remember to uh, check out all of our fine affiliates. We got some great ones, whether it be gold, ammunition, uh, pillows. (laughs) Those go all together, don't they? Uh, Fine reading material. Dehydrated beef. Yes. Everything that you could want to be prepared for what is coming at us. And lastly, if you want to get a hold of us, Church and State 1776 at Proton.me. All right, Gabe, let's go ahead and bring on our guest right away. Um, I'm excited. I've I've been really excited for this interview ever since you set this up. But uh, for those of you who don't remember, um, well, short history, uh, Pastor Arthur Pulowski was a, uh, was a street evangelist, a pastor who the Canadian government raided. Um, well, first he got in trouble for feeding the homeless. That seems, uh, rather criminal in my opinion, but, uh, but then he also refused to shut down during the pandemic, as we like to refer to it. And, uh, the Canadian government ultimately ended up arresting this brave man. So it's a pleasure to have him on. Also, we have, this is a one-of-a-kind interview. Those of you who are with us, we have his 23-year-old son, Nathaniel Pulowski. He recently spoke in Parliament uh, to a standing, well, I don't know if it was a standing ovation. It was an ovation because he used the term Caligula to describe the tyranny of Justin Trudeau. So we have him on as well. We're going to highlight what the next generation, like I said, he's a 23-year-old individual Caleb and I are somewhere in between there. We're half, we're double that age. But uh, I'm not going to ask Pastor Arthur how old he is. So, But I'm very, very proud that we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this has to be a multi-tiered thing for, right. for yeah. taking down giants. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So with that introduction, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us on Church and State. Thank you much for um, having us on your show. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's just get into it right off the bat. Uh, for the audience who is who is unfamiliar with your story, I, I know I gave a brief uh, timeline of the events that occurred, but go ahead and refresh the memory uh, for our audience. Well, I'm a Polish immigrant. I grew up behind the Iron Curtain under the boots of the Soviets, escaped, emigrated to Greece, then from Greece to Canada. Canada, when we were growing up, you know, behind the Iron Curtain was always looked at, you know, the Eldorado, the milk and honey, the land of freedom, opportunities. So when Canadian government opened its doors to come for us to emigrate to Canada, we were so excited. Finally, the abuse will end. The corruption, the bribery will cease and we will be able to work hard and give something beautiful, amazing to the next generation. And here I am, 16 arrests later, 120 some courts later, including courts of appeal, civil, uh, municipal uh, infractions, according to them, the bylaws, the criminal charges. 
and over 340 different citations. Uh, during the COVID era, I have become the first Canadian to be charged with the so-called COVID ticket for just simply feeding the homeless and, uh, you know, <laughs> keeping them alive in the time of the greatest crisis that this country has ever seen. That's not my first runs in um, with the corrupted Canadian government. I was arrested before for reading the Bible. Believe it or not, the Canadian government ruled that reading the Bible in Canada is a crime. I got arrested. I faced a year of imprisonment. I was arrested for feeding the poor. I was arrested for distribution of printed material in, quote, Bibles and gospel trucks. Believe it or not, police confiscated my Bibles and uh, gospel trucks uh, once and never uh, to return them. So this craziness it did not start with the COVID insanity. COVID is a global attack on our faith, on our liberties, but they have been working on this for a very long time. So it's a very complicated, long story of 20 years fighting and exposing corruption. But I think the most extraordinary times that we have seen during that time is the past three and a half years where the government globally decided that the churches are unessential not needed and are to be shut down at the same time the you know liquor stores marijuana stores um abortion murder clinics were of course deemed essential and were kept open walmart was essential and all the other mega stores like ikea was essential but having a coffee with your brother your mother or your father or having few people in the church singing praises to the living god was deemed criminal eventually i was arrested released attacked invaded by the RCMP, which is like your FBI anti-terrorist SWAT team invaded our church multiple times. Uh, we got arrested in the middle of the highway, of course. So many of you people have seen us on television around the world after the Get Out Nazi video, where the SWAT team, uh, police officers, Alberta Health Services, and other minions of the government decided to break the Criminal Code of Canada, uh, particularly Section 176, and walked into our church illegally, uh, demanding that I would stop the services. I kicked them out, calling them names. And of course, at that time, people, um, for many Westerners, there was just too much, calling people, those nice officers, Nazis and Gestapo was too much. But of course, right now, three and a half years later, pretty much the whole world calls them that name because I'm a Polish immigrant. I'm not hiding. I have seen the atrocities of the Germans, what the Nazis did to my country. And of course, I've seen it and I heard from my grandparents and the older generation and growing up under the boots of the communism and socialism, I've seen it firsthand what a totalitarian regime does. So for me, and people like me, immigrants, this is just a repetition of history. We've seen this movie before and we are yelling and screaming using every language we can, every means you know, that we can come with. Well, this is a bloody murder. This is a genocide. This is a, a totalitarian regime. If we don't change the script, you're going to die and your children are going to be enslaved. Um, 
So for that, of course, the Canadian government decided to make an example out of me. And I think that God made an example out of them. We stood strong. We're still standing strong. We have not stopped feeding the poor. We're feeding them three times a week and we're still holding church services. When the Canadian government told us that they are canceling, can you imagine? We're canceling Christmas, we were told. Well, I organized the biggest Christmas celebration in the country. We had AAA stakes. We had gifts for the poor. We had carolers, and we had over 100 police officers, 52 police cars, anti-terrorists, and a chief of police, and they came bearing gifts. I ended up with 15 COVID tickets. And of course, I was told that we did the unthinkable. We had carolers. At that time, singing was prohibited by law. And we were told if we keep singing, the whole city is going to die, and I end up with 15 tickets. So I won all of those things until the truck convoy came. I delivered a number of church services. Actually, my son Nathaniel was there with me with the truckers when they desperately asked us to cheer them up and to bring hope when they were witnessing police officers with machine guns pointed at their children for playing street hockey and having barbecues. So we went over there and then ultimately I delivered a number of church services speeches. We had Lord's Supper, we were singing hymns, national anthem, and I've told the people to stand for God and state given rights, do it the solidarity style, peaceful resistance, non-compliance, and ultimately for that, I was arrested stepping out of my house, like El Chapo of Calgary, Al Capone of Canada. I mean, every force in the country was outside my home. The street was blocked. RCMP was there, um, undercover police, uniformed Calgary police, detectives, and anti-terrorists. I was interrogated, stripped naked, taken to prison, and you actually God. spent how many days, Pastor Arthur, in jail? Because some people are like, oh, geez, he just spent like a few days. It, it was a pretty decent amount of time. How, how much time? Yeah, I was there 50 days, solitary confinement and metal cages. And ultimately, I was kidnapped by sheriffs and put in a max pod, which for those that do not know, it's for the most dangerous terrorists in the country. I was there by myself. So hundreds of cells, a big unit. I was put in a freezing conditions by myself with a letter that I received from the administration telling me that I am considered extremely dangerous and I am not allowed to to have any interactions with another human being. So um, ultimately we find out that they wanted to murder me in prison. Five different inmates already testified. I want to reestablish that because I think some people might not understand what you just said because your accent, you, you, it sounded like murder. But and I, and I know this for certain because I spoke with you in Talaire. They wanted to kill you. There was actual death threats and they not only tried to kill you, they actually tried to bribe you as well and give you positions uh, and, and money, but reestablish, they tried to kill you. Because here, here's what I want to get to, to all of our listeners and to each one of us here in this studio. God is trying to get us to get to the point where we have nothing to lose. There's, there's nothing. If Donald Trump actually made it to this revelation, if he said to himself, I don't care if I lose Mar-a-Lago, I don't care if I lose all my kids, I don't care if I lose my life then this nation probably would have him as president. And, and I'm not just putting him on that, that kind of pressure. If we all, the Lord, because when I thought that thought the other day, I, the, I, the Holy Spirit said to me, my servant, Arthur Pulowski, thinks like this. He literally has nothing to lose. He will lose it all for me. 
God literally spoke that to me about you and your family. And I think, Nathaniel, somewhere deep down inside you, you've made that decision as well. But I want to ask you, did, did, how did they try to get you to be afraid through murder? And that's a real thing. Go ahead. Yeah, well, they put my house on fire when we were sleeping in the middle of the night. Um, my wife noticed some commotion outside and there was a firefighters. First, we thought there is a, a police that is coming to arrest me again. It turned out when I went out of my house, it turned out there were the firefighters and our house was on fire. Someone tried to murder us, kill us, burn us alive. They unscrewed tires in our pickup truck, literally driving the tire just took off on its own. I was physically attacked and I was threatened. My life was threatened on a number of occasions. In prison, the, at least five different individuals testified to our lawyers already that the guards were giving them incentives to beat me or to murder me in prison. When they kept me in a freezing conditions, my last conversation with my wife was, I don't think I'm coming home. I can't sleep, I'm shivering. When I asked for a blanket, they laughed in my face saying that at least I have fresh air. And I said to my wife, I think this is goodbye. They really want me dead. They don't want me to come out of this ordeal. And the judge learned about this and I was taken, are you ready for this, I was taken from a max pod and placed in a psych ward without the evaluation of the doctors, without the knowledge of Alberta Health Services. That's why we filed a lawsuit against the Canadian government for what they have done uh, to my family and to me. So going to incentives and bribery, that's always the case. I mean, you're talking to a Polish immigrant that grew up in that kind of environment. We were, we had to bribe the police. We had to bribe the authorities. The whole nation, communist, socialism, every totalitarian regime runs on bribery. And that's why we escaped. We escaped because we were sick and tired of this crooked, evil, totalitarian system. So right now, those people in power in your country, in our country, globally, everything is running by the use of fiat currency. It's all run by bribery, incentives, and all kinds of trinkets being given to the people if they will obey, if they will be willing to lie to the public, for example, like the mainstream, so-called mainstream propaganda. The Canadian government offered me $2 million to stop doing what I'm doing, which is talking publicly about what I was observing. I was offered a guaranteed seat at the legislature. Believe it or not, the Canadian government came to me and they said, if you cross the floor, if you come and join us, we will guarantee you that you're going to be an, uh, an MLA, MLA um, which is a government official here in the province of Alberta. Then I was told that if I stop talking, exposing what they have done to the people, I will receive a government $250,000 per year government job if wow. I'll keep my mouth shut. I was offered land. I was offered all kinds of different things. When they finally realized after eight months, eight months, about 10 different meetings and conversations, when they realized I'm not for sale, because I told them I have already been bought by the precious hey, blood of Jesus. Jesus. When I was, when, when finally they understood that I'm not for sale, then the coercion and blackmail 
started to come. I was told that the judge is bought and paid for. I was told that I will be murdered. I was told that I will be imprisoned again for a very long time. And, and uh, I stood strong with the support of my family and the church. And thanks to people like you, because the exposure was huge around the world. People were paying attention to what is happening to this little pastor with a funny accent that has called those people with their rightful names, Nazis and Gestapo, which is simply what it means is political police kicking them out from from our church so the eyes of the world were on the case and ultimately i faced the judge i was found guilty on all charges i was even told that everyone that was participating in the freedom convoy the biggest civil rights movement in the history of canada um, i was told that we are all bunch of criminals i was found guilty of terrorism, eco-terrorism, I was found guilty on criminal charges like uh, inciting and breach of release order. Ultimately, I faced 12 years of imprisonment. And in September, I was not only found guilty, but I was sentenced to prison for uh, delivering a message, a peaceful message, when three times during that message, I told the Canadians to, to stand uh, for the gods and state given rights, but do it peacefully. For that sermon, reminding people about solidarity movement that I witnessed with my own eyes in the 80s in Poland that took down the Berlin Wall and uh, broke the Iron Curtain and the biggest empire at the time, the Soviet Empire, I was told that I am a criminal. And because of the international pressure, I was... Um, I was released, time served. We have appealed the decision already, and now I filed a lawsuit against the Canadian government, all levels. I'm going after them personally. I'm going after all levels, municipal, provincial, and federal. I'm going after the judges, crown prosecutors. I'm going after attorney general. I'm going after the chief of police, Calgary police officers, Jane Doe, John Doe, RCMP, which is, again, like your FBI, Alberta's Health Services agents, you name it, because the message now is very clear. I've heard God on my way to Reawaken America tour, and he, he spoke to me like I'm talking to you right now. He said, tell the people, it's time to go on offense. It's time to go after the villains, not only expose them, but go after them, charge them with the crimes against humanity. We are going after them um, big for conspiracy. We are making our case to the courts, claiming with evidence that we have that those people conspired together. And you call them out by name. There's yeah. one thing very unique about you. You call them out by name, which, and I, I saw you, Nathaniel, do the same thing. You called out an individual, I think by the last name of uh, Johnson, or even, I, I, you even made it a point in your speech to call them out by name. So to ex expound on that, just because you're, you're not on the defense, you're on the offense. Yeah, let me just say this as well. Like, I, I completely believe in, in what you're saying, uh, Pastor. Uh, when you stand up to a bully, you don't just punch him once in the face and expect that it's, it's going to be done, it's going to be completed. No, you, you got to keep hitting him, and that's what we got to do here. We got to expose the evil that is this globalist satanic agenda that is trying to silence pastors like you. Now, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree here because, Nathaniel, you are standing up, and you are already getting into a little bit of trouble with the Canadian government. Uh, I'm assuming uh, being raised by a, a father like you have, I mean, that kind of set the table for you as you uh, are starting to battle tyranny on your own front. Yeah, so just on that point, we, we call them out by name because that's what they hate the most, right? They became 
very prominent figures in their own respects. So some of them are lawyers, some of them are politicians, judges. These people are highly respected. They have the titles on the wall. So they hate their, their ego being hit. They hate being exposed. They hate being named and shamed. So I made it a point when I spoke at the European Parliament to name the prosecutor who's doing this to my dad, to my family, uh, because he's an evil man, because he is doing evil things. He's breaking uh, the law and he's uh, completely going against everything that he's supposed to stand for uh, as an agent of the court. And uh, I, I expose these people. I name them because that's what they hate the most. So um, I, I really started getting involved in this fight because of because of COVID. So I, I actually thank God for COVID, uh, even though it was a, it was a terrible thing. It people did die people did get hurt um but it exposed right it showed the world what, what what was going on behind the scenes and it brought it to light and i thank god for that because it was needed it really showed who's who it exposed the fake people and exposed the real people it got rid of the fake pastors and if people went back to those fake pastors well then maybe they're not real christians right. because they're going back to fake pastors that betrayed them so it, it did so much good i believe more good than evil um in exposing what what everything is all about uh, I really got involved because of because of COVID. Because when I was in university, they told me I had to obey their their illegal, unconstitutional, uh, immoral mandates, uh, or lose my education. And I said, whatever, I'll lose my education then. But I'm going to fight them. I staged protests. I spoke to the head of the school, and I, I threatened him. I said, I'm going to go after you. I'm going to I'm going to sue the school because you're violating my rights. And he said, Oh, I uh, I completely endorse that he said you should take action against the university if you feel so and i said no no you don't understand i'm going after you personally i'm going to file a lawsuit against you because you're the one who's violating my rights and immediately he said okay let's take a look at your uh, at your religious exemption again because i was denied the first and for the first time and and i actually was the only one at my university to get a religious exemption wow. and to be able to continue my education and actually graduate no one else was granted i gave people my template i gave and no one else was granted that privilege only i was because i believe uh, maybe it's part of the last name and and the the notoriety that they understand like we don't back down that when we make threats we make good on them because we are going to take them to court we are going to it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost we're taking them down and that's kind of when I started to get involved. Then my dad got arrested and I was really forced to, to join the fight because he was out. He was in a, in a very dangerous situation. When he says he had death threats and he had, you know, facing 12 years in prison, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, I spoke to one inmate called me while he was in prison and told me that he got punched, he got knocked out by a guard in the face. He got punched in the face, knocked out because he gave my dad his phone time. So these are these are the guards that work in prison facilities like this. Uh, they they would tell me they testified to me and to our lawyer that they were offered incentives. So more, you know, more time out, cantina money, more food, whatever incentive to beat my dad up in prison. And they actually said no, because this guy's a clergyman. Why would we like we're not, we don't want that on our conscience. So it turns out the the inmates are better human beings than the guards are better human beings than the director of the prison wow. so it, it was a scary situation uh i had to get involved and our family's uh a little bit different we don't just sit at home and pray and and just you know woe is me and just pray to god like we we pray and then we go we we actually take action so i was staging protests every single day outside of the prison uh, making them very uncomfortable inside loudspeakers music shofar bro blowing uh, jericho marches I love we would uh, anoint the place and uh, different people would speak pray 
Uh, we had worship songs eventually, a worship team that would come out. <clears throat> So that's what I was doing every day. I was doing shows, you know, going on Infowars, uh, uh, The War Room, the podcast. So I was getting the story out there, talking to Fox News, making the international pressure, uh, doing whatever I could to, to make the world know that a pastor in Canada, a seemingly free and democratic society, is being treated in this way. <clears throat> that Canada has completely fallen. That's what I told the European Parliament uh, this summer. I said, Canada has fallen. We are no longer free. We have the illusion of freedom because they, they, they can't be too overt about it or they're gonna have a revolution on their hands. So they still paint it as we're free, but you find out you don't have any freedom if you step outside the government approved narrative. If you start speaking against the government, you very quickly find out you have zero freedom in this country. And the same same goes for the United States. I get a little bit annoyed with, with Americans when they tell me, you know, their their constitution is so solid and they're they have the they have the first and second amendment and that's gonna save them. Well, no, it's not because you have you have uh, examples like the January sixth people. You have your second amendment being infringed in certain jurisdictions. You have uh, the first amendment being infringed in certain jurisdictions jurisdictions and your constitutional means absolutely nothing unless you make it mean something unless you hold them accountable using that document but they don't care about the document that was tossed out long ago if you see what the what the US administration does they don't care about your rights and freedoms and I get a little bit annoyed with Americans because they're so reliant on this that they kind of take a step back and they don't get involved when in reality you have to be the one who's holding them accountable if you're just relying on that like like Poland had a constitution when they were invaded by the Nazis and when they were taken over by the Russians the, the communists the piece of paper means nothing to them they'll use it like toilet paper if you don't make it mean something so in Canada we have no no longer we have anything that's free we don't have free media we don't have uh, we don't have free uh, freedom of speech we don't have freedom to associate or assemble or protest or anything we don't have religious freedom and that made me have to take a little like I had to take a bit of a different approach where we have to break these laws on purpose. We have to break certain laws and then challenge them and then actually take them to court to get them overturned because these people in power, some of these politicians, they, their mentality is that they're too big to fail. They have all the resources, they have all the lawyers, they have all the money, so they can pass laws that are completely against our rights and freedoms, that are completely against God-given rights, and we challenge them. So I went to... Um, to break a woke mayor's bylaw in our city of you know 1.5 million people, this uh, mayor decided to pass a law that you can't protest the LGBT community. You can't protest drag events. You can't protest underage drag events, where in public libraries, publicly funded drag events for underage Nathaniel, children. Nathaniel, I'm going to hold you place. up. I'm going to hold you up right there. We're, we're approaching a break, and what we're going to do is we're going to for those of you who are on ACN, we're going to continue this on on our Rumble page, also Facebook. You can tune in for the rest the interview. I am going to highlight streetchurch.ca. I know for sure that there's a donate button here at their website. If, if you could put that up, please help them. There's ongoing mitigation right now. You can find out more about Street Church and support them as a body and follow. And, and, and real quickly, is there anything you'd like to hit? We got about 30 seconds left before we go on to the second part of the interview. You're talking to me? Yeah, either one of you. Well, I'm super proud of, of Nathaniel, of course. I have been waiting for the young generation to rise up. I mean, in the end of the day, why do we fight? Why, as a father, am I standing and fighting this great evil if the next generation is not going to take advantage of 
what we have been fighting for. I mean, the history is a history of men fighting and standing for what's right so we can enjoy our freedoms that we have been enjoying up to now. So I'm super proud that the youngsters, the younger generation is rising up and fighting. Uh, it's, it's so well said. Uh, so once again, join us um, after this break, uh, and we'll see you then. Church and State is sponsored in part by Patriot Church and the Constitution Party. I'm Pastor Gabe Blomgren, and a calm does not suit me. I'm Caleb Collier. I was born for a storm. Welcome to the fire.